When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> it would be a waltz, but eh? On goes four. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to the root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. We're back once again. Oh boys, what a bloody result. I cannot wait to talk about today's game and joining me on a good ship fan cast tonight on this Sunday evening I've got Tom Calvert I've got Josh Buckley and I've got Michael Fellas we've all got to be buzzing after that one surely yeah just right. spectacular performance guys I mean this is probably the most fun for an away victory since uh Adama's brace in the Etihad right that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably right there. Yeah, yeah. I've been many as of it since we've been back. I mean, obviously, we've done really well, but it's got like, the Spurs at Wembley springs to mind. Yeah, Dharma at the, the mm. Etihad. But there aren't like massive, you know, United away 1 0, but it's just felt like a really a real statement victory. And, and especially for O'Neill, you know, really that, a good statement away victory. Yeah. I mean, getting four goals. Oh yeah, sorry, I was going to say, um, I think after all the emotion from Thursday night as well, it was so good to have this so quickly afterwards. And for us to see seven goal- Wolves goals in four days, I think if you told me that at the beginning of 2023, I would have thought you were definitely joking. It, it, it's bonkers, isn't it? For you know, I was literally about to say, oh, it doesn't feel like Wolves ever scored score four goals or you know score figures. It's like we've done it repeatedly 
quite mm-hmm. a lot at the moment. It's like, shit, we're, we're almost a good football side here, guys. And, uh, you know, let's talk about the Man United game just briefly first, because I think it kind of showed... It wasn't a great performance, oh, personally, I think, over the course of the 90 minutes. And I think to then lose the game in that fashion, I think we'd have seen... Walls of a year ago probably crumble under Lopetegian and maybe even under Large, and I think they'd have let the emotion of that occasion get the better of them. And I think the biggest thing about this Gary O'Neill side is how just the sheer fundamental belief they have in themselves, just to kind of put the bad stuff behind them, whether it's within a ninety minutes or the next game. And like, yeah, I know we conceded first, but we came out for. Traps firing today, which was exactly like the right message they needed to send. I mean, I'll take it a step further, guys. Even amongst a big six club, to to lose the way they did on Thursday, giving up uh, the go-ahead goal there two minutes after scoring the equalizer, and then falling down a goal at Chelsea, how many teams just in the whole league are going to bounce back from that? I mean, these guys didn't get their heads down. That would have been so easy today to get their heads down after giving up that first goal and lose three nil. And instead they came back and put up one of their best performances of the year. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you, you know, mirrors it in terms of Chelsea putting a poor performance in the week. Horses for courses. I appreciate, but then, you know, don't, don't see it through in the same way. A big shout out to the people, of course, listening um, live on YouTube and people who are watching it back on there or on podcasts as well. We are getting flooded with some great comments um, at the moment. Great one from regular listener uh, Paul Lopetegui Stock getting lower every week. Um, we'll talk about Jao Gomez is hitting it off in the comments at the moment. Um, and he is one of the footnotes I've made uh, to talk about. Um, and still with the again regular um, Lopetegui, El Blinko is a distant memory. Um, Love it. Um, I, I then got very confused um, uh, by one of the comments, which is just me quickly reading through, and it says, well, if Hobbs picked him, well done, and then realised they were talking about uh, Paul Sporting Director. But anyway, anyway, uh, let's get on to uh, today's game, because, um, of course, we did win, fellas. Um, starting lineup, I think the changes that happened were expected. If we're being... Realistic, um, Tom, were you sort of greatly surprised with the starting lineup? Uh, no, not at all. That was that was my <laughs> 11. Um, definitely, I think. Uh, I mean, um, Doyle can consider himself probably you know slightly hard done to be to, to be dropped, but I, I think this was absolutely a game for Joao Gomez. Um, the way he plays, the way he snaps into those tackles and, and that was evident with the, with the first goal and, and, and that was just one of a number of, of, of um, elements to his game today. I thought he was superb. Um, and then so I know Sarabi's had his haters but I mean he's really started to become quite quite a player for us to be fair. I, I didn't, just just him being on the pitch, I, I, something to do with how he links links the midfield to, to the front two or, or when you know, and he's playing at that false nine. Well, it wasn't playing as false nine today, but he has Neto doesn't need to play down the middle. Mm. But even then, it, you know, he, it allows us to overload our, our right-hand side. And, and that's what we did numerous times. So, although 
Neto was the the, the nine, if you like. It, it, he still drifted out to the right, and it just works. Just those three just work seem to work together at the moment, and it's going to be really, um, really interesting to see what happens when Huang comes back in um, and how he integrates him back into the team if he does. Yeah, I think let, let let's talk Sarabia because uh, he's got his critics, and I think I'm kind of one of them. Just because I still don't quite know what kind of role he has in the team or what he can really do that stands him apart, but. You're right, he does have that kind of knack of being able to kind of link up the play. Um, and the thing that pressed me, to be honest, most importantly today was his tracking back and like going to the nth degree to, you know, close, uh, you know, whether I think it was Chilwell or something, kind of like go properly to the byline with him. And when you compare it to, again, it, it's different, but Neto. Um, against Man United just sort of drifting off his runner in that game. There's definitely a player who, you know, for what was he, four million, five million tops last year? Yeah. Like, we've got a very sort of handy squad player, and if that's his level, then I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, I... I think that's the most I've ever seen him do off the ball work in a game before. And I definitely don't think that's been one of his strengths in the past. But I do think when you've, particularly when you've got this attack with Neto and Cunha as well, two players who are quite full throttle players. I think one of the like balancing acts that Sarabia gives is he just slows everything down a little bit. And that may be towards his detriment at times, but also I think it, allows Wolves to be a bit more creative and a bit more explosive in using their energy properly. So I think for one of the goals, it was maybe Sarabia or Semedo. But Semedo playing a similar type of pass to what Sarabia does, where he releases Neto down the right. And that's just, that's done through good, patient build-up. And I think he allows Wolves to play in that style a little bit more, keeps the ball further up the pitch. And yeah, then we were able to sort of hit down the flanks and, yeah, I I really like having Sarabia in the team generally. I, he's got his flaws. He's not the fastest or doesn't get the best numbers by any means, but he certainly has a role to play, I think. So we've we've talked about this on our show, a whole lot of Wolves. Sarabia is kind of a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And that's okay. That You need those type of guys in your squad that are going to fill whatever role you need them to and not make many mistakes. And so while he may not be overpowering in one area of the game, because he can do so many things, O'Neill is able to really use him a lot in, in his fluid style. No, definitely. And I think it's, it's such a tricky one because you say, I think a lot of time we judge a player on their pace, don't we? And if you don't have pace you need to be exceptional on the ball and be able to, you know, dictate the game and just do everything. Because he is not at that level, he does get that criticism. Um, But, you know, again, a couple of great comments. We're just sort of steaming, you know, my analysis. Uh, You know, Sarabu is one of the best through ball players. And it's silly little things like that. And I talk about it loads. And I think me and Tom, we, we end up having this conversation a lot about what Wolves don't score those types of goals sometimes where they thread the ball between fullbacks and things like that. And but Sarabia does bring that different dimension and I, I like Bellegarde, I really do. 
but I think when you've got an overall of Bellegard or Sarabia, it, it's a really nice option to have at the moment, isn't it? That oh, it depending on the situation, depending on the game, depending on X, Y, and Z, for either one of those two could potentially make a make a big game of hands. I think it's not necessarily what that individual player brings, you know, their traits. It's how they, you know, get the the best out of the others around them. I think I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw Neto and Cunha have the games they had today when he was in the team, as opposed to yeah. against United when Bellegarde was in the team. And that's not a criticism of Bellegarde. It's just Sarabia allowed. Neto and Cunha to do those things and get into the pockets and the areas where they wanted to be. Whereas Bellegarde was very, very... He, they didn't really drift very much at all. Bellegarde was very central. Whereas I think they're a lot more fluid, I think, when, when Sarabia plays. And like I say, it allows them just to overload certain areas of pitches at certain times rather, rather than being quite quite rigid. So, yes, you know, it's, it, of course, they've got to be individually a very good, you know, good player He's getting this Wolves team at the moment. But I don't think it can be overlooked what they... What, how they get uh, they make the team play as a whole. Yeah, and I think I think you you really on something there. So you know, there are worse qualities to have for making other players shine more. And and like, if his ability, you know, if his contribution leads to Kuna getting multiple goals, Neto getting multiple goals and assists, then it 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 kind of proves the system. It doesn't matter if oh well, even that. Technically, he's lined up in a forward line or wherever, and it, it's really interesting to see. Um, and again, we'll probably talk a lot about Gary O'Neill, but testament to, I guess, his tactics and coaching. But a player who wasn't his signing or anything like that, he has managed to, you know, formulate it um, really well for Sarabia. And as I said, we started really well. Um, for me, you know, we came out firing and it looked great. But it, in this topsy turvy game, it, it's kind of easy to forget football's conceded first. And uh, I mentioned earlier about Swabby with the great three balls, but Wolves got and picked by one um, for Cole Palmer's first goal. Uh, on the scale of preventableness, where we all sort of tilted, Michael, I'll kind of go to you first. At the time, I thought it was more preventable. I thought Totti Gomez could have anticipated earlier. I thought he was a bit flat-footed on the turn when the pass has come in front of him. But when I've watched it back, you know, I've watched the game, the Sky Sports highlights about six times um, since the game. I think it's one of the ones I've watched the most highlights of this season. But it was a really slick Chelsea goal. And I do think it was one of those where, okay, look, Totti Gomez is probably the one player at fault, although there's a communication issue maybe as Cole Palmer's made that run from deep. But that's all happening at the same time. And it's a really like cleverly worked, tri- I mean, a strange looking triangle, but like a triangle of passing movement. And yeah, he's just popped it through Caicedo. And yeah, brilliantly finished by Palmer, who, yeah, I mean, I know it was a bad day at the office of Chelsea, but he's some player, isn't he? He's exceptional. He's Absolutely, he's their best player by an absolute mile. And I thought the same when he when he was at Molyneux. I think you know that they've signed some absolute dross, but he's certainly not in that category. I think he's he's an unbelievable footballer. 
and I, I, that was I said to I was watching my brother, and I said, look, if we if we shut him out of the game, we'll win this game, no problem. But if if you let him tick, I think we'll we'll be in for we'll be in for some some problems. I know he had a um, he had another shot. I think it must have been in the second half, and like he dragged it wide at the near post. But it sounds silly, but like his foot positioning and how he kind of manipulates it to kind of almost bend it wherever he wants to. He's so bloody deadly. And, you know, I've watched the goal back a few times now and the weight of that pass, it it is bonkers. Because, yeah, he's a bit out of positioning, maybe. And the gap could have been tightened a little bit between Dawson and Toti Gomez. But at the same time, to kind of feed it through um, and I think sometimes to ask Norrie to track that that far as well would have been a tough ask as well. And I, I sort of feeling very benevolent today and kind of going, there's not that we couldn't do anything about it, but I think it's not like it's a massive error and nor was it kind of indicative of Wolves overall defending um, today. Yeah, I mean, they really tightened down on defense after that goal, especially I thought Dawson, if it wasn't for some of those attacking players just being brilliant, he could have made um, an argument for Dawson as man of the match because um, he really solidified that. And again, for the Wolves not to get down after going down 1-0, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think I, I guess from a defensive point of view all over the park and I guess this moves me on to the next Burt player I really want to talk about with Jao Gomez, who hasn't started the past few games through suspension and, and through the form of Tommy Doyle as well. Um, got more to start today and it was like he was trying to make up for being out for three games because that boy was bloody everywhere. Have you seen his heat map? Have you seen his heat map tonight? I was going to say, it's almost <laughs> like I prepare these things sometimes. But like genuinely for the audio listeners, his heat map is basically just a red blob in Unreal. the middle of the park. Well, not even that, just between two penalties. It's, like it's like our away kit, isn't it? It's just like yeah. red with like, green on the outside. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he is just... I mean, even for a first goal... Um, in particular for me, just that ability, just time his tackle, win the ball in the middle part, drive it forward, keep the play going. And yeah, yeah, Kuhn gets lucky with, with a bit of a deflection. It gets down as his goal, which he ain't going to complain about. But I thought Jao Gomez just, I'd rather him not play so good live on Sky Sports, <laughs> personally. I think, I think, given the players we've got and the seasons they're having with like Neto, Kilman, who have been attracting a lot of interest from big clubs, I do think out of all of them, Charles Gomez has the highest ceiling out mm. of any player we've currently got. I think he's an unbelievable player who would probably, after a few games, slot into one of the big clubs really well. So I'm just in, trying to enjoy him every week whilst we can at the moment. The only thing that I guess might help for our sake, is that the role he does isn't always the most glamorous one, is it? I mean, I know he got an assist today, for example, for that first goal, but, you know, generally it is like that, what that heat map tells you. He's just there and everywhere. And I think we really missed him 
I know we got through, we got by without him whilst he was suspended, but, you know, even getting him on off the bench against United and then the Chelsea game from the start, it's just makes you feel so much more confident that you're just not going to lose a midfield battle with him mm. in and that gives you the platform to do so much more and with goals flying at the moment it's just the perfect base for any attack really to start any attack I do sort of feel you are right when it comes to Zhao Gomez it doesn't feel like we're going to lose out phys- physically and that's no, no slight on Tommy Doyle who has shown like he, he's got a bit of physicality to his game but I think if there's ever a slight possibility that Wolves might not dominate possession which is the majority of games if we're being realistic then you want Joe Gomez in there to do exactly what he did today which is just run his guts out but actually have that end product as well it's it's not like I was going to say, it sounds really harsh because I love the play. It's not like Dave Edwards where it feels like it was just running for running's sake and a bit of a clap. Like, it's like he's running, he's tackling, he's moving, he's passing and it's just all action. And yeah, I I can see a club going in for him because they might be able to get him a bit cheaper than, I know, uh, different types of players, but his ceiling is really high. I think, and the fact that he does have a little bit of attacking now, so if we decide to unlock it, it's only through like system formation. We don't see him actually really kind of push the envelope in terms of trying to be a threat in the final third, in my opinion. Well, I think it's going to be interesting too, looking at lineups going forward. And let me know what you guys think here. I almost think that Gomez needs to be starting against those top table teams because he's going to make life miserable um, in the midfield. But then when we're needing somebody to really break down those lower half teams, that might be when Doyle needs to be in instead of Jao Gomez because a little more creativity and you don't necessarily need as much tenacity in the midfield to dominate those teams. That's a fair point. Um we seen it. We saw it in the the Bournemouth game um, when he came on when when uh, that a man sent off and, and we were a goal down and yeah we just let him do his thing in the middle. Um, yeah, I mean, but then you know, how how harsh is that on Jaws to, to leave him out when he's performing at the level he is? It's just, it, I mean, it's it's a it's a great problem to have because yeah, it's a great problem. problem yeah, yeah, never Zambatino for you know four years whatever. Um, <laughs> And and I mean Gomez and Lamina, there's some, you know, there's a couple of like units in there, and then you've got the three lads at the back. I think if you look at the team, how how balanced does the team look at the moment? You've got three three brutes of centre halves, two like tough tackling uh, midfielders who can play on the ball like really really well, pace out wide, and an athletic fullbacks. So I think I think it's um it's real good dynamic of the team that, mm-hmm. that we've managed to cobble together and. Um, a team that Lopetegui didn't think was anywhere near good enough to, to stay in the league and we'll <laughs> <in> the top <laughs> 10. <laughs> in it. I think I was going to say, I'll stretch Josh's point one sort of step further, in my opinion, but not even about dominating possession. I think it's, if the game is a lot more open, then I'd play Tommy Doyle because he has got the ability to stretch a game with his passing a lot more. Um, and I think he almost showed today, in my opinion, that like, Gomez started, played well, 
looks looks fantastic in in my opinion. But then actually having the opportunity to then bring on um, Tommy Doyle, even if it was you know not for a significant amount of time, just allows us to actually you know what if Chelsea are going to be bombing forward, having a player who can make sure that we are getting transitions, but we're not just wasting it. Um, and it's, you know, as uh, Dan Lamb says on the YouTube comments, imagine if we could play a midfield of all three of them. And, you know, part of it goes, oh, yeah, we should maybe tweak it up to see if we could do. But it, it's a really good embarrassment of riches. And, you know, we've even got Bubakar Traore. Just, I was going to say, he should hopefully be back, I'm guessing, in the next couple of days or so, anyway, after um, Mali exited the uh, African Cup of Nations. But, Again, there are options now, and I think particularly for sort of Shao Gomez after missing you know, some important fixtures, it really showcased him um, today. I need to say yesterday, out of force of reflex doing this next day, but again, it was great to see how quickly Wolves responded as well because it can be difficult going behind away from home, but to score after what? three minutes later, two minutes later, it, it says it all about this Wolves team, but they just don't care. They know that they're good enough. They know they're going to get chances. And I get Mateus Kuna, obviously gets a bit lucky with first, second goal. Great move by Wolves. Yes, it goes down as an own goal, effectively, but Ray and Aitnori, Nori, again, someone who's not been available the last few games, um, through African Cup Nations and being, I, I say, second choice to Matt Doherty sounds quite harsh, but you know, it was a player who needed to come in. And again, another player I'd rather not see him doing really well against good teams because sooner or later someone's going to go, actually, that was an option for us. Yeah, and I think one of the worrying things is, is I don't think there's many like outstanding left-backs in the Premier League or in world football at the moment. So I guess that may put him in the shot window a little bit more. But yeah, as long as they don't all leave at once, I can probably... We've gone through enough departures, especially last summer with all the leaving videos and stuff to emotionally be prepared for it. Um, but, you know, I was just... Just a quick note on Gary O'Neill for this as well, that... That someone mentioned, I think it was Tom that mentioned the uh, the appetite to get another goal straight after. That is something that's very on Gary O'Neill, I think. I think if you look at what he did with Bournemouth last season, I know there weren't many loads of really big scorelines, but he did like noticeably get a few. I remember they battered Everton, I think, in the Cup and in the league in the same week. They battered Leeds, uh, which was a really big relegation match in, I think, last April or something. So that must be something he's definitely breeding into the players. Um, that, yeah, that hunger and appetite to keep going for more because these are the kind of players like a year or two ago that the whole, they would have just been like, yeah, get one goal and sit back and couldn't be further from it now. No. And the, the sheer belief this team has for me and like, it, it I think if you watch Wolves play enough and you see the highlights, particularly of Wolves, you can't go, oh, well, they're re- they are a good counter-attacking side. They've got Pedro Neto and Kuna really good on the break. But, you know, that, that second goal, just fantastic. And Pedro Neto, you know, 
doing exactly what you need your winger to do sometimes. And Lord knows how or why Rayne noise ended up in the middle of the park. But it, it, our new number just, nine, like, right? Who needs? Yeah, who needs just to sign just, a number nine when you get rid. <laughs> but like, you've got to have some belief and confidence, and it's part player, but it's part coach to take that gamble from where where he probably should be on a football pitch to where he's ended up having the shot and, and, and you know, to follow that run, you've got to have a hell of a lot of belief it's going to pay off and belief in your teammates that if it doesn't, that there's cover. And you can always get rewarded for your bravery, don't you? Can you imagine how hard this team is to defend for some of these squads? Because it seems like every time Neto's got the ball, on the right side, there's a new player that's bombing in the middle. It's Lamina, it's Cunha. In this case, it was Aitnari. I mean, that's got to be tough for the defense, especially opposing midfielders to go, who's going to be the one that's breaking out of nowhere into the box to clean up? I mean, Neto was getting some FIFA assists there, you know, go to the touchline and just bounce mm. it back out in front of the goal. Yeah. The, the years, the, the years of literally having Raúl in the box or no one in the box. Like Raúl pulled out one, and you just look in the box, and there's no one. Um, you know, that's that's that was happening. Far, I don't know, either back in the Nuno days and then large in particular. Uh, you know, even Lopetegui, and it's just statistics. And you get more players in the box, you've got so much better chance of scoring. Um, yeah. So I think that's the you know like, and and yeah like like Josh says sometimes you know you, the amount of times Lamina breaks the box is is scary. I mean you'd never see Neves or Martino in years gone by doing that. Um, and then you've got yeah people like you know like Nori Yadsamado doing it against Brentford. You know uh, they're coming from all angles at the moment, which is fantastic. And I think that a word needs to be said on on the fitness because you don't have your you don't have your centre mids or your your your, your wing backs just hitting the box and then keeping. You know, the defence is generally as, as tight as it has been um, without being pretty good on, on the old fitness, which we all know wasn't um, particularly uh, large as Forte. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a massive, massive part to play. So, yeah, fair play to Gary in the backroom team for all that. Yeah, I think they do a lot a off the pitch, but also, I guess, in game in terms of those turnaround of players as well. So, you know, ignoring starts when he can do and like it is that preconceived notion that oh wait no he can't play you know three games in a week but actually he did it over Christmas he did it before he went off to um uh to be of Algeria but he didn't he played sort of 75 minutes 80 minutes in each one and I think just that extra bit of care for and Samedo regularly gets subbed off as well for Matt Doherty for that last like 10 minutes just because that is almost, I'm guessing, like your red zone, isn't it? Where actually, mm. do you really want them busting that extra gut when either we're winning, we're in control of the game? Matt Doherty's a safe enough pair of hands, I, I suppose, um, without kind of going down that rabbit hole. But yeah, they, they are just on top of it. And you say, like, you need to be fit to make those darting runs and to basically be your number nine. And, you know, it, it's amazing to see. And you know, the fact that, you know, went for one of the goal 43rd minute, you know, absolute sucker punch as well. Um, and I think it was reflective of how we played. I think we deserved going into a breakup half time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, yeah, it, it was all looking good. It was all looking solid. And same, moving into the second half as well. And, you know, I, I, I'd sort of joked during the first half that, yeah, we, the two goals did sort of come from deflections. Like, well, I don't quite know how Kunas went down for his first goal to him. It's the old, it was on top, it would have been on target, but yeah, I did find it very comical the goalie's reaction time. Just like, and that, ne- like, we've all been there, it don't matter if it's been in five side or wherever, where the ball's taken a nick and you realize there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, he still decided to um, like make a dive for it, even though it was over the line as well. Like, he was diving back into his own net and for everything about the reactions did just scream five aside when I watched it. I mean, you know, Kunyu was absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think it's, you know, one of the it's definitely not one of the Premier League hat tricks that will be like sitting up high on like the Premier League's hat trick highlight reel or anything along those lines. Still so counts. Was, yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. And you know, I'm sure I think they said I heard on um I heard on a commentary that it's his his first professional hat-trick since playing in Switzerland for Sion. So, yeah, real positive energy around him at the moment. And you really get the feeling with his celebrations and whatnot that he's really connected with the club and, you know, he he says and does all the right things off the pitch as well as on it. Mm. Isn't it funny how... Isn't it funny how Cunha and Jao Gomez have really embraced the town? I mean, even for people over here in the States like me, you can just almost feel how much they love Wolverhampton, not just the club, but the actual fans in the city. They're really embracing it. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's it's really hard to over, uh, overlook like that, that uh, connection players get with fans and the community or how you know however you want to kind of describe it and it also i don't understand why more players don't do it because it buys you a hell of a lot of good grace like you, you know you'll be more inclined to you know get give shall go as a bit of slack you know let's say for a red card and i you know not not only going for a red card but like you've you've seen players hung out to drive before for getting a city you know a needless red card but actually, it's like, no, you know what? He's, they're buying into it. The whole club are. Interestingly, I saw one of, I, was, I can't remember, it must have been Kuna um, on Instagram, sort of reading through comments. And, you know, you've got Diego Costa, you know, same world and all of that. And it did remind me of actually when both of those joined last year, Diego Costa was there and was actually quite influential, I believe, in helping them settle and stuff like that. So never forget the great man. Um, but anyway, anyway, look, look, Kuna's second goal. Again, Pedro Neto making the assist. Ignori playing as number nine, making that third man run to divert it from Kuna. And yeah, there's no uh, no deflection in that, his second goal. As soon as he isolated Thiago uh, Silva, I mean, he's a class defender, but he was, he was, <laughs> yeah. only, he was only ever going to try and knock it past him and go around him. Um, yeah. I think it. I think there was a little deflect. It got into him via a deflection. I think it I mean, did. Yes. It had anything to do with luck, but you know, they, they had to be a deflection involved somewhere along the line. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, what just brilliant, like turn of pace, and then uh, great run by Kuna and uh, yeah, Neto. I mean, put it on a plate. We had quite a few of them in the first half where Neto got in behind, and he just unfortunately mm. just picked the wrong pass, um, or Kuna made the you know the wrong run, or you know, we just, we just it was just the final pass that was lacking. But I mean, they absolutely nailed it on that one, um, and that was just that was just after that horrendous Sterling miss, wasn't it? I think because I mean yeah, that goes it in is probably the yeah a different game, but I mean that was atrocious. You look at the, the you know, confidence players and, and ability of players, and it's just if you're comparing two players in the Premier League at the moment, Sterling and, and Kuna, there's you know, it's just absolutely no comparison. I was watching Neto's run like when they were doing the replay on slow mo, and what I found interesting was like the amount of times, like sometimes when you see a player sprinting at full pelt down the wing, obviously it's head down, struggle to get their head up, but they do get their head up they'll just look like once or something and, you know, either put it in an area or, you know, decide what they're doing. But Neto was like constantly scanning his eyes up like every other second, basically. And it, I thought it was probably, you know, one of the reasons why he's just picking out these passes. Like that pass for the 8 Nori goal was absolutely phenomenal. Um, the timing on that to know that 8 Nori's arriving in that box at that moment. And then obviously the Cunha one, I think a lot of players would have gone. I can't. I think it was Aitnori again, actually, who was making a run to the far post for that goal. I think so many players do not see Cunha because he's not at the most natural angle. But Neto's just taking those glances all the time, and um, yeah, I, I don't know how many assists he's actually only. Is he only down for one assist today? I think, which also feels unfair. Like it does. I've seen in the comments with Aitnori. I thought the shot was on target too. So. Yeah, a bit. There's still some injustices despite a forty win at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> oh, we can't pick. I, I hope these. you guys don't mind. By the way, I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Is this just yeah. to prove a point? <laughs> yeah, 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 mostly for Stu. <laughs> oh, yeah, Chris, Chris Wilder's livid, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. Side note on that is not that I agree with him. And I think as soon as you make a comment like that to the press, they're going to eat you alive. But ironically, I say about being a sandwich. But I do sort of get if I went into a room and like about trying a conversation with someone, and so I was just nonchalantly eating a sandwich, I would find it a bit irritating. Just, just saying. Anyway, not not the point. It's, it's not the point. <laughs> but I it. Particularly after sort of Kuna's second goal with three one up, it just it just felt like Wolves were just had the mojo, and very clearly just Chelsea did not. And it it's fascinating to see that club effectively crumble at the moment, and funny, fascinating and funny. Um, and even for the podcast, you know, it just his ability just to kind of just go down the wing and it was so, like I've watched it back because I was like no he did just just try and run around the outside of him and just just get hacked down in the box because he couldn't do anything about it it just shows how brilliant Kuna is at the moment for me Gusto is no slouch Gusto's no quick fullback and he and he just left him for dead and that's you know that's the player he's played you know well, a hundred and odd minutes against Man United on a Thursday, later on in the game, and he's just absolutely just rinsed him. It reminds me a bit of that Bale goal. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. not quite to the same extent, but that Bale <laughs> goal in the uh, at the Copa del Rey. Um, and then uh, the ref wasn't going to give it. 
I was, I was, I was, I was at the game and I was literally watching the ref, and he was like this for about a good <laughs> few seconds. I don't know what he was waiting for. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was, there was absolutely no debate about that one. But uh, yeah, I thought, I, mean, I thought we were going to get hosed on that because it looked like maybe just barely he got a piece of the ball. Um, yeah, we've had. I was um, a little worried. We've had two contentious penalties, to say the least, in um, a couple in a couple of games now, haven't we? But oh my god, Gusto was absolutely atrocious. I think that's one of the worst individual displays I've seen a player have against Wolves so far this season. Yeah, and um, what one of the comments says about Gusto needs to get some Gusto in his meals. <laughs> I probably agree with that. Um, but. Again, it just felt so inevitable that when we got the penalty and Kuna stepped up, and part of me gets anxious when I see that run up, but it's just so bloody good. <laughs> like, I wish I could offer you a level of uh, greater critical analysis than Kuna is really good at football, but he is. And I was thinking earlier, um, how many teams would Matthias Kuhn improve if he went for from in this league and it's you don't want to <laughs> all of them. And I don't like how we've kind of said, Oh well, yeah, you know, eight Nori could get a move somewhere else. Gomez could Pedro Neto gets touted to Arsenal every six to eight weeks. Uh, you know, Kuhn have went up as well and like what, thirteen months ago we signed him for forty million and it was a lot of money then, and it still is now. You know, not many. I don't think any team in the bottom half of Division Bar Chelsea have spent that kind of money on a player. Um, but he, he just this season he has just proven his you know complete worth ten times over, and and it is so wonderful to see. So and I and I don't think he'll necessarily be looking for a move away from Wolves because this is a guy who he very clearly is taking a lot of pride in playing every minute of every game and I think he knows if he moves to a bigger club that's more than likely not going to happen there's going to be some form of rotation especially for a guy like him who's not a true number 9 I mean Gary O'Neill's system is almost made exactly for him, somebody that is just so fluid and can move everywhere on the front line. Um, plus his love for the club and the town. I, I really think we're in – Cunha is going to turn into a Neves-type player who's with us a lot longer than we anticipate. Fingers crossed. Mm, definitely. I think you're all right, like, the system suits him because ultimately – yeah, he is getting goals for us at the moment, but the system isn't set up necessarily to get Mateus Kuna it, 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 goals. It's set up to get him involved. And it just so happens that particularly with Huang out, that he's those opportunities are falling to him rather than Huang, or it's not going to Neto because you know one thing or another. Um but even if you take out his goals and you look at his assists and you know, same with Sarabia in a way, it's like Everyone is clearly paying, paying for each other, and going the extra, you know, the extra yard to make it all happen for them. And you know, the fact that again he's doing it over stadium, pointing from a badge is ah, uh, 
you know what? Just it just every time you score a winner now, you near time it right because you don't want to do it like you know, we score first, he does for Selly, and then we like lose three one. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm keen to, for him to pull it out more often. We need to see it in in uh, FIFA now, just yeah. for just for him. Yeah, he has the celebration. <laughs> yes, I'd get I'd get on board with that. Um, I I'm would. glad there's creativity and not it's the not the same old celebrations. Like that was a general, yeah. genuine, creative. Uh, celebration and especially to break it out in that derby was just mm, chef's kiss. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's nice for it is a different, it's a unique celebration, isn't it? And like, obviously, you know, we don't have Nevers anymore, and he had his you know he had his celebration, and it, it's almost like a little bit of a throwback for me in terms of when players had signature celebrations. Um, and hopefully it's something we can uh, you can carry on with. Um, it was a shame because I was hoping the game was going to end four one because I think it would have been a real standout in terms of saying about three goal margin. Frustratingly, they did get uh, Chelsea did get another one from a corner. Thiago Silva just felt like we just switched off about microsecond, and occasionally Chelsea have got really good players who can punish you. Yeah, I actually got quite scared. Like when they said there was, I mean, it was a bit like the United game as well. Like, I don't know how there was that many minutes of additional time in that game, no. which you know. But um, and I'm not saying that's why they won because I'm not sure we would have had enough time for the equalizer. But they're obviously doing that thing at the moment where they go through phases, don't they? Like this month we're going to put on ten minutes, next <laughs> month it's like Gianni and Fantino, how he feels on additional time each day, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand how there was ten, but I think there was um, there was obviously that big block, wasn't there? After yeah, there was, and Conor Gallagher, who was always in the right positions, but his execution was just terrible for most of the day. And I think it helped, especially like shoot striking and shooting and stuff. And I think had Cole Palmer been on the end of one of them, we could have been in a bit of trouble because I did. You did get that painful feeling when it was four two that. We just did, I think, with all the substitutes as well. But, I mean, we did, were professional enough to see the job through, but um, the heads were, the, understandably, players were getting tired and it could have been quite a dangerous situation had that big chance ended up in a goal as well because it's still a few minutes at that point. Kilmerston yeah. Br- brilliant there because he, I think he's the one that well, Jackson threw on goal and I think he makes the initial tackle to to, to, to stop him and get a clean shot at Sar, and then he sticks his leg out to block the, the Gallagher shot but yeah I'm with you Michael I, I don't know it didn't feel like a 10 minute game at all like we added time I was, I, I was expecting 5 maybe 6 max um, but yeah I think they just draw it out of a hat sometimes um, and it's just annoying because you just want to you just want to relax it and just you know enjoy like a bit of um Olay football for sort of the last 10 minutes and when that second goal went in and then the 10 minutes um, and I did have a little bit of a go just after that I think another penalty appeal and, and it was a little bit hairy at the back for a few minutes um but then they get Bellegarde could have maybe you know put the ice on the cake or if I think he I'll have to I only saw it live so I don't know but I think he could have possibly squared it to Doyle for a for a nice tap in for a for a five two, mm. um, but again that was another one where we could have just 
potentially just just um, really put the ice on the cake. Definitely, um, and yeah, it, it's always awkward, and we're still kind of getting our heads around this like elongated added added time as well, um, which is frustrating. It's like if there was enough time to make it really uncomfortable. I don't think there's quite enough time for Chelsea to get two goals, but there was enough time for them to at least get one, which would have been you know really tough. And you know, after the game. Time. Exactly, squeaky bum. I believe it's called Josh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but you know what? I was going to say post game. It was really nice to see. You know, a obviously the fans um, and the players connecting, but Gary O'Neill kind of giving the fist bumps and the players pushing Gary O'Neill to do it as well. And there just genuinely seem to be um, like a really good vibe in the uh, in the camp at the moment. Yeah, I, I think this is the most on like I think since I've support I've supported Bulls for over like twenty years now, and I think this is the most likable squad I've ever witnessed. I think there was very much we obviously we had a brilliant team under Nuno when we got back into the Premier League and whatnot, but that squad to me felt more like a pinch me. We've got these players almost, whereas this one there is a bit more of that kind of industrious type personality and players style of play a little bit although I find it all really exciting um but yeah it's such a likable group and I'm really trying to savor each game this season because you know you just don't know what's going to happen after the summer um but yeah I think we're gonna have a really fun few months ahead as well I tell you it's what like- it's real easy to get Americans right now to enjoy watching Wolves because mm. not only are they fun to watch, it's a bunch of young kids who are playing with no fear, but they're scoring now as well. And that was one thing that was missing from those Nuno squads. You know, a lot of good characters in there, a lot of fun players, but it was still missing those goals. And so for us to have that type of mentality, these type of fun players while also scoring, I mean, yeah, this is. It was funny, a few weeks ago they were saying Wolves, one of the most entertaining teams to watch in the EPL. And it's like, man, when was the last time you were able to say that about Wolves? Well, yeah, that's the thing. And, like, we've ended the day. Wolves are in the top, uh, well, I was going to say in the top 10 with 10th. Um, saw a really interesting um, stat, which was um, on the same amount of points, uh, 32, as under Nuno, same point of his 2018-19 season. Zero goal difference uh, currently falls compared to minus four under Nuno. This uh, with a team they said was relegation fodder. And I know I, I've been umming and ahhing since I'd seen that. I it, This Wolves team versus that Wolves team, who comes out on top kind of thing. And I think you just got to enjoy it in a way. It's di- it's different eras in a way. It's you know so much time's passed, but it's. I think Mike, you, you said it correctly. Like that, it was a, such a pinch me team. That Nuno team, in terms of like never still felt new, even though we'd had a season. Hang Jamatino in your team, uh, even sort of like Rui Patricio came to Wolves, and it was like, uh, wow, this is a signing. Whereas a lot of his, yeah, and like a lot of his players currently haven't necessarily come with the same wow factor, but 
have grown and developed within it. So like you say, like the likes of Kuna, we assumed and hoped he would for the price tag he cost. And part of it's marred by him joining under um, Lopetegui, but it didn't have for set, you know, even though we were signing 40 million, it was a bit like, oh, okay. I mean, his record's not amazing. And always like a little bit sneering your nose at it in a way. Um, and it, it's fascinating to see how it's how it's played out. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we've scored, I believe, more goals now than we did do the entirety of last season. Oh, by some way. I think we're about six uh, ahead or something stupid. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Bonkers, absolutely bonkers in terms of what they've done. Um, I know. I think I, I do think the comparison to what we didn't do know is a is an interesting one, and I think time, time's going to tell in terms of whether you know over the next like five to ten games, if we're able to kind of break into that next bracket up. And the, the big kind of key is around that goal difference, um, in particular. You know, you look at uh, Brighton. Of course, so they're three points ahead of us, but with a four gate, you know, four goal different margin, it, it's effectively an extra point when it comes down to it. So it's it, it'll be tricky, um, but this is just a team who's just so full of confidence at the moment. Yeah, we've got um, so. I'm quite torn on how I feel about a European push, like whether I think we're capable of it, because what I would say is that top 10, I mean, I know Newcastle and Brighton probably aren't going through the best of spells at the moment, but they're still really good teams. Like If you look at them all, you can make an argument for all of those teams in the top 10 and say they're good. I know United aren't always great, but they're looking stronger with a full strength squad and whatnot. Um, reason I'm a bit more confident, though, is, I mean, like let's say you've got Brighton and West Ham, for example, they're going to be involved in Europa and Conference League. Um, I, was, I think both Europa League, actually, aren't they? Yeah, both Europa League for the rest of the season. Um, I know Man United and Newcastle aren't, but we've got a pretty good run of foot fixtures until, I think, the last five games of the season. So we've got the likes of like uh, Sheffield United at home, Burnley away, um, Fulham and Bournemouth at home. And then I think it's in the last five, we've got City, Liverpool and Arsenal all in the last five games of the season. But before then, it's a really nice run till April at some point. So if we can really like, it's traditionally been a time of year where Wolves have really kicked on and had good runs when we've had these good seasons as well. So yeah, I've got, I've got a good feeling, but I'm trying not to get too... Excited about it at the moment. I think, particularly when you look at our home games as well, you know, um, only West Ham and Arsenal, who are in the top half, we've still got to play at home. Our home games are against Brentford, Sheffield United, Fulham, Bournemouth, uh, West Ham, Arsenal, Luton, Crystal Palace. And mentally, at the moment, you go in, we should be getting three points out of most of those games. Um, it, it, it's it, it's fantastic. Um, it really is. And the fact that we've still got the likes of Wang to come back into the fold, Traore to come back into the fold as well, 
and hopefully just give us those extra, you know, firepower for bench. That was my, it, it didn't matter today. But when I looked at the bench, I did think beyond Bellegarde, there's not an awful lot of options moving forward up front. Um, and that's no disservice to the young guys on the, on the bench. But automatically when Traore and Dwanga back, you know, probably only Fraser stays on the bench, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. But yeah. I, O'Neill's making it work at the moment. It might not work forever. Um, but I kind of at least you said the same, Michael. I don't necessarily want to see us kind of push for top six, seven finish if this club ain't ready for it next year. I'd almost rather finish ninth or tenth and keep it where we're at and have a real good foundation block to build on for next season rather than it being this sort of flash in the pan and us not being at all catered for it, you know, over, you know, the next one to two seasons afterwards, because we've seen that film before. Well, I want the cup. Yeah. The cup will be nice. You know, that's what I want. You know, I'll be fine finishing 10th if we get the cup. We have got a real opportunity there. Um, And I'm very keen that, if we get past Brighton and we're in the quarterfinals and we're potentially at that point, I mean, we've still got, you know, a few games, what, three, three additional games. We've got uh, Brentford at home, Spurs away, Sheffield United at home. If we're able to kind of come out of that with six points, we're, we're kind of pushing top eight anyway, alongside being in the last eight of the domestic cup competition. I think I said it in the last game. You kind of just go, oh, actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. We've got a chance here, fellas. It's tempting. It's tempting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, like, like, oh, sorry, I was sorry. just going to say, like we said earlier, though, you don't know how long this, like Michael said, you've got to enjoy it. You don't know how long this team's got together. Mm-hmm. We, we could finish ninth and then, you know, look at the look at some of the players that we've got, look at the performances they're churning out, like Neto, Kuna, Eight Nori, Gomez. You could even make a case for O'Neill. I think clubs are going to be wanting these types of people, you know, their, their club, and it'd be absolutely heartbreaking if if it got ripped apart. So I'm always I'm almost like strike while the iron's hot, just get as far as you can get. Um, you know, I was going to say foot off the gas, but it's tough. Before we wrap up, um, just because we've got the luxury of asking this, cup final or European football. <laughs> I mean, both sort of get you there, don't they, really? But um... but the cup um, final is not a guaranteed win, right? Yeah. You're just saying finalists? Uh, I, I I feel like if I, if I said I would win the FA Cup, there'd, there'd be no question. Right, right. So I I think I'd take Europe, uh, the, the for sure thing then. Yeah, I yeah. think um, I like those if it was Conference games. League as well, like you'd actually have a really good chance of winning that, wouldn't yeah. you? For sure. And the players may want to stay through that. Yeah. You know, I think Neto's gone for sure, but I think some of those other guys would kind of want to be a part of that team, even though it's only conference, just to be able to potentially bring a European trophy to Wolverhampton. There's going to be a lot of guys that want to be a part of that. I'd love for the Europa Conference. I'm not going to lie. 
<laughs> just going some absolute back end of you know wherever. Yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm all for it either way. I mean, to be honest, so long as Wolves are winning games, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say like the, the only other thing I sort of wanted to sort of highlight was I seen a great video um, uh, earlier, which was. You know, see Mateus Kuna since he um, he heard the liquid ace. So I'm just going to play it briefly for you guys. I'll be honest. Is that? I don't like the Albion. No one really does. I'd much rather hear their version for Liquidator than Chelsea's. <laughs> just, just saying. I can't even remember what Chelsea's is. There you go. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what it is with London clubs because Arsenal are a bit like that, aren't they? They're just like Arsenal, 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 and just saying. The club name very slowly and repetitively. I say, um, la- lastly, because <laughs> we're nearly at the hour mark. Um, for anyone who's been watching on YouTube, <laughs> huge thanks to anyone who ha- everyone who's been watching live, watching it back. Love it. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, etc. Um, Tom has been drinking what we can only assume is either a glass of water or a glass of vodka from I'm get- Madry, I'm guessing. Yeah. I saw at yeah. the start on the little screen, I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> Other beers are available. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, meantime, anytime IPA. Not, not sponsored. baby. Uncrustables. Have <laughs> <laughs> you got anything yeah, you want to... I was going to say, have you got anything you want to plug, Michael, from the food and beverages, or are we just plugging podcasts today? Um, no, I have, actually. I've got... Uh, I've been drinking... Fentimans today. I broke dry jan for the first time Ooh, yesterday. So I'm a bit rough today. So um <laughs> yeah, some Fentimans has been helping me free. I, I respect that. I respect that. Well, look, it has been fantastic to talk to you guys. Um we will be back, of course, uh, later on this week to preview the Brentford game. Um, make sure you're following us on all the social media channels, Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you, you want to get your news, lols and trolls. Of course, big thank you to Josh and Michael for joining me and Tom today. It would be, I'd be remiss if I didn't allow both of them to um, plug their fantastic podcasts as well. Josh, I'll let you go first, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. This was a blast. A uh, whole lot of wolves. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify. We're the only U.S.-based Wolverhampton Wanderers podcast. We have a lot of fun. We drink a lot of whiskey. We answer a lot of fun questions. So love if uh, some of you guys head over there. Another to enjoy. Yeah, and Michael yourself. Yeah, so mine's nothing to do with wolves really, apart from I try and like incorporate one little quip or comment about it uh wolves player it's a world ranking international football podcast at world ranking pod um 
it's about international football. So a lot of it's at the moment on AFCON and the Asian Cup. But then for the weeks in between, we'll be doing like deep dives on different countries. Got interviews with like players and managers and stuff like that. So yeah, um, any support at this stage is really appreciated because it's only been running for about a month or so. Fantastic. Um, well, on that note then, um, it's goodbye from both Josh and Michael. It's goodbye from Tom. See you guys. Thank you. And it's goodbye. From, I was going to say, it's goodbye for me as well. And as most of the comments have said, I just feel the, the need to always reiterate this. I might just end every show by saying, but fuck the Albion. Thank you.